Blaze here again with another How I Learned series podcast episode. This week's story is from Chris Gethard. He is the Chris Gethard behind the Chris Gethard Show, and uh, he's hilarious. This story was told at Union Hall in Brooklyn um, in May of 2012, and the topic was How I Learned to Be a Grown-Up Allegedly. So here's Chris Gethard. Enjoy. It's astounding that I would be asked to participate in something where I describe being an adult. That is shocking. That's ludicrous. Then you can all, everyone's laughing because you see me. You see what I look like, right? You understand that that's not, I'm not a grown up by, by anyone's standards. I turned 32 years old a week from tomorrow and I live in a two-bedroom apartment in Woodside, Queens, with a roommate I've known since college in a bedroom with no closet. I am not an adult. I am not an adult. All of you Brooklyn, you, all you Park Slope fucks wrote me off as soon as I said Woodside. As soon as I said Woodside, Queens, we're all like, grow up, man. Grow the fuck up. It's gonna take me two hours to get home. Judge me with your baby carriages. Your Starbucks that exist in your neighborhoods. <laughs> um, I started, I don't even, I, this is not a joke at all. Like I said, 32 years old next week. I started shaving every day last month. That was when I started shaving every day. I haven't needed to shave more than every like three days, and then last month, all of a sudden, I was like, "All right, I better do it." But then I, I started. I just kept. I don't. I don't know how. I, I, would cut, I got cut. So I once. I went to an audition. I ran to my friend Jason, and I had like three cuts on my face. And not like making a joke. He waited until no one else was listening. He's like, "Hey, can I, I gotta ask you." Do you know how to shave? And I was like, no. Uh, no. I don't know how to shave. And he taught me, my friend, I'm 32, my friend taught me how to shave. He's like, you gotta do it in the shower where there's the steam and it'll open up your pores. Best cuts, get a shower mirror. I was like, what's a shower mirror? He's like, it's a little mirror. Okay, and sometimes I have like plastic drink so I won't break if you job in this. I was like, that's a thing? And I did it and it fucking works. And now I shave. I shave. It's pretty cool. I'm like, look at it. Look how pathetic you think I am. Because you can hear the genuine excitement in my voice that I shave. Oh, I'm the worst. But who's supposed to teach you how to shave, right? Your dad's supposed to do that. My dad, not so much. My dad is a really good guy. And he and I are very close now. Um, in, in my older years. In my younger years, not so much. He was a terrifying presence in my childhood. He was very tense and wound up man. And I look back and realize he was working so hard all the time. Like I look back and realize like me and my brother, we're the only kids, like he uh, he worked really hard so we didn't have to realize that we were poor. He worked his ass off every day. So he'd be gone every morning when I woke up. And you never knew, like he's gonna come home and he's either gonna be in a horrible mood or he's gonna be in a good mood, but he's gonna be so tired he'll fall asleep anyway. And that was kind of what I knew of him, was that he was like really hardworking and gone a lot. And when he was there, I was vaguely uncomfortable around him. That was what I knew of him. It also didn't help that my mother's parenting um, technique would largely existed to turn my father into a sort of boogeyman-like figure. Because if I was bad, uh, she would yell at me. But if I was really bad, she wouldn't yell at me. She'd just say, 
well, we'll wait till your father gets home. And that's how she talks. That's the real New Jersey accent. It sounds sort of like a Lower East Side Jewish accent. It's not the Joyzy thing at all. She'd be like, we'll wait till your father gets home. And that would fill me with this dread. I would, my father would come home and I would sprint away and hide from him. And he never, he was too tired to care or know what was going on. He had no idea that his own son feared him because my mother's Irish Catholic manipulation just filled me with dread and guilt all the time. So that was my relationship with my father, um, living in real fear of him and then also a heightened unrealistic fear that was a shame, looking back on it. So my father and I, that was our thing. That was our thing, me and my father. But I did luckily have this other, my next door neighbor, I, my best friend was uh, this, the kid who lives next door, lived next door to me. He was little Jerry. He was my buddy. We had a good relationship. It was like sort of like a Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer type thing, except in New Jersey in the 1980s. Um, we would go on a lot of adventures, we'd climb trees and shit, and get in trouble and egg each other on and call each other's bluffs. And it was a really good time. And he was little Jerry because his dad was Big Jerry. And Big Jerry was awesome. He was kind of like, I would say, this is a weird thing to say, but I would say that my father was my father, but Big Jerry was kind of my dad. And what I mean by that was Big Jerry, he was like kind of this like hands-on dude. And he also kind of appreciated the fact that his son and I got in a lot of trouble together. Like he, um, first of all, he was a fireman, which when you're a little kid, that's basically, he was a superhero. He was, that's awesome. And when his firehouse, like he'd sometimes, like maybe two or three times a summer, he'd just roll up in a fire truck on the street. He'd just fucking come cruising down the block in a fucking fire truck. And then he'd get out and he'd go inside and he'd be like, you guys want to climb on my fire truck? And we'd be like, hell yeah, big Jerry. And we'd climb on his fire truck. Like he, um, there was this brook in our, in our, on our street that you had to like scale down this wall. It was basically like a sewage pipe. And anytime our parents saw us down there, they'd yell at us. But Big Jerry would be like, he got it. Like you're a kid, you're supposed to climb into fucking sewage pipes. You know what I mean? That's the thing. You're supposed to. He would, um, our backyards. We, I mean, we lived in a real like a middle class neighborhood. Our backyards were smaller than this room. But he wanted to learn how to play golf. So this fucking guy, Big Jerry, built this net. He built this net, and I think back to this, and I thought he was so cool, and now I'm older, I'm like, that's really dangerous. And he would just whale, whale golf balls into this net that he just made. He just made, and I was like, Big Jerry's cool, man, he makes nets. I thought that was awesome. I look back, that's really very dangerous. There's all sorts of stuff that he did. One thing, oh, oh, oh. He one day, I still look back, and I'm like, this is a baller move. There was one day in the summer where me and little Jerry were playing, and he walked outside, and he's like, yo, I heard about this place in the mountains where these Indians are having a powwow. You want to go? We're like, yeah, of course we want to go. I mean, that's how it was. That's how we rolled. And then, you know, on my, I grew up, this is not, no bullshit, my street. I grew up on a Superfund site, which is the most stereotypically New Jersey thing you can do. A Superfund site, for anyone who doesn't know, that's, it's not super fun, it's super fun. It's, it's when your street is so polluted and environmentally unsound that the federal government steps in and says, we'll clean it up. Right? It's actually, I don't know if anybody's ever read a book called The Radium Girls. You've read it, it's about a bunch of ladies who paint watch faces with this glow-in-the-dark paint 
and they lick the paintbrushes to get the points sharp enough to write the numbers, and then they all get cancer and their faces fall off. You can vouch for me, person who meekly said, yeah, you read it, right? <laughs> That's what it's about. The, that company was in Orange, New Jersey, and I grew up in West Orange, New Jersey, and they dumped all the paint in the woods that my neighborhood would later be built on. So there was all this radioactive paint in the ground, and it was turning into radon gas and rising up. So when I was in seventh grade, they, pretty much every family except my family and Big Jerry's family had to leave the block and all the other houses they would just these giant pits they would dig these giant pits and guys would be walking around in like radiation suits like the beginning of the Simpsons like the glass thing and the rubber and we thought that was cool and our parents were like don't go in those fucking pits and me and little Jerry were like we gotta go in those fucking pits and then Big Jerry was like for real don't go in the pits and we were like okay I'm appreciate a pit. Uh, that's a man who understands the appeal of a pit to a child. So he's saying, don't go in the pit. We ain't going in the pit. So those are my two male role models, kind of different sides of this fatherly coin. And I kind of grew up with that. You know, little Jerry, he's a few years younger than me, so as we got older, we grew apart because we were in different schools and stuff like that. And I started doing all the things that high school kids do. But I, will look, I look back still and give credit, like, that attitude that Big Jerry had, man, it was really instilled in me in the sense that, like, when I got my license, I was like, me and my friends, I'd be like, let's just fucking drive somewhere and see what happens, let's go, we heard about this thing. In New Jersey, kids are always driving around looking for haunted shit, we'd be like, oh man, like, we heard about this road where albinos live, let's go to albino road, we gotta find those albinos, like, we were always like, let's just drive around, stay up all night, do whatever the fuck we wanna do, you know? And it was like that, but I'll tell you something about what happens when you live on a street where the government comes in and digs pits to get all the radioactive material out of the ground is it catches up with you sometimes. And it caught up with Big Jerry because when I was a senior in high school, he got cancer. And I think it was from that. It was really bad. And he kind of went from being like the neighborhood hero, like everybody's dad. He kind of went from being like the Atticus Finch to being like Boo Radley. Like no one ever saw him. He stayed inside all day, every day. You just never saw the guy. And um, it was really sad, but I was a kid, I was 17, and when you're 17, you don't know how to handle shit. So I just kind of kept on going, and doing my thing, and hanging out with my friends, and you just kind of live. And I would ask my parents how I was doing, and the answer was consistently not very good. And it would get me really freaked out that I never saw him, but that's what it was. And it also, I probably also was distracted by the fact that I had a girlfriend for the first time when I was 17. And I had a car and a girlfriend, and that was a pretty fun combination. She played cymbals in the marching band, which is shockingly appropriate if you want to date me, right? Be a girl who plays cymbals in the marching band. I will be at your social level and also find that strangely attractive. And we were, it was really a passionate high school love affair. It was the summer after I graduated, and um, all sorts of things happened. Among them, this is a little too much to share. The first time I ever performed Cunnilingus on a girl, she fell asleep. Can you believe that? She fell asleep. And I didn't know, I just kept going. I was like, I guess this takes hours. I guess you have to put in a lot of time and dedication and put in the hours that this takes. Because she seemed, I look back and I'm like, either I was like, Either I was like really bad or I was like she was so comfortable that I was hanging out with her. <laughs> so I was hanging out with her all night, every night. And one night I didn't get back to my house until about three in the morning. Probably because I was performing cunnilingus until she woke up and told me. And I got back 
about three in the morning and I went, I drove my mom Saturday to our garage and I hadn't seen Big Jerry in many months. And when I walked out of my garage, I realized the net was set up. The golf net was set up. And I just heard the like, whoop, And I was like, Jerry's out here hitting golf balls at three in the morning. And I heard it from my garage. And I walked out to my yard and I looked over and I saw him. And he looked fucked up. He looked really fucked up. And I realized he was staying inside because he looked like a skeleton. He looked really, you know, I don't want to judge anybody or use harsh language for a man who is sick, but it was not good. And it made me realize that he had been coming outside at three in the morning. Like, I wondered, I had been wondering, like, he's not here anymore, so how is his garden still this nice? How is his lawn still this nice? How is his house not falling apart? And it made me realize that he was coming outside when he knew no one would see him. I don't know if he was embarrassed by how he looked. I don't know if he didn't want to scare us. I don't know if he didn't want to deal with it or deal with the questions. But he's coming outside in the middle of the night. And I rolled up at 3 in the morning and I saw him. And uh, he wasn't expecting that and neither was I. And I didn't say anything. And he didn't say anything. And I just kind of nodded at him and he just kind of nodded at me. And then I went inside. And what can you do, right? Kid, so we moved on. You know, moved on. I turned 18, and uh, there was one night where I was getting ready to go out again. I don't know if it was to like, I'm not sure if we were trying to find Midgetville that night, or if I was just nose deep in it that night. I don't know which one. But I was getting ready to go out. And before I left, my mom came running into my house. She had been next door, and she came running in, and she's like, you, don't, you can't go out right now. I need you to do something. She's like, grab your license. You have to come with me right now. And I had turned 18 maybe three or four days before. And I went next door, and Kathy was there. That was um, little Jerry's mom, Big Jerry's wife. And there was a lawyer there, and Big Jerry was there. And uh, there were all these papers on the table, and no one really said anything. And what I realized was that they needed witnesses to sign his will because they thought he was going to die. Not just soon, but so soon that they couldn't even wait for my dad to get home. They needed two witnesses who were 18 years old. And it was my mom, and it was me. And nobody um, was really talking. It was weird. And uh, I signed the will of this guy who helped raise me. And it was really rough. But I looked at him, and he didn't say anything. And we just, I did it. And then I left. And then I went out with whichever, my friends, my girlfriends, or something. I went out. And I didn't feel too bad going out, because he was a guy who was all about <clears throat> go out and have fun and live your life. And he was kind of the guy who taught me when I was a kid, go out live life, you know, be a kid who really lives life. But when I think back on it, and I think about when I learned how to be a grown-up, I think to that moment, and I think what both he and I were thinking, and what neither of us had realized, was that the whole time he had been teaching me to be a kid who was living life, he was also teaching me to be an adult who he could trust when he was about to die. So that's a pretty sad end to a, a pretty funny story, it sounds like. So, thanks for having me. All right. 
The How I Learn series is created, produced, and hosted by me, Blaze Allison Kearsley, and the podcast is produced by Lyra Smith. For more podcasts and to learn more about upcoming shows, visit www.howilearnseries.com. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the How I Learn series podcast. Thanks for listening.